Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. This week we're going to talk about Winter NAM 2024, which just wrapped up. A little bit of history about NAM, first of all. The first NAM show goes way, way back to 1902. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. NAM stands for National Association of Music Merchants. And it was a way for musical instrument manufacturers to interface with their dealers. Since way back then, they really didn't even have telephones to be able to do this. So this made a lot of sense, and it made a lot of sense into the 20th century as well. Dealers needed to see what was new, and NAM was a place where all the new gear was introduced. Now, NAM is held twice a year, summer and winter. The winter show is in Anaheim. It's been there since 2003. The summer show used to be in Chicago, and it was huge. It was every bit as big as the one in Anaheim. Then it sort of ran out of steam there and moved to Nashville, where it's been for the last dozen years or so. Now, in the year when COVID actually first came into our consciousness in 2020, that was actually the peak of the NAMM show with 115,000 attendees. It's a huge show. Last year, it was moved to April, and this is because it was just coming out of COVID, and only about 46,000 showed up. And this year, about 62,000 have registered, although that doesn't include walk-ups, so it should be somewhat bigger. Now, one of the things that I noticed was the fact that the show is a lot smaller just in terms of exhibitors. First of all, there is no Hall E. Hall E is the downstairs, oh, we used to call it the inventor's row, and that's for manufacturers that were just getting started would begin to exhibit. There was always some very cool new stuff that was there, out-of-the-box thinking for the most part. Sometimes the manufacturers made it, sometimes they didn't. This year, there was no Hall E because they just folded them into the upstairs halls instead. If you've ever been to the Anaheim Convention Center, you also know there's a big, big dome in the front. That's a place where you can have concerts or exhibits. But in fact, it used to be filled with mostly sound reinforcement, although not entirely. And this year, nothing, nothing in there at all. Also, Yamaha used to take over the Marriott Hotel ballroom. And again, they weren't there. They were at the show, but they weren't in the ballroom. So the show has contracted considerably. The other thing was some large manufacturers like Fender, PRS, and Gibson were no-shows. Yes, they were there in hotels. They were showing their dealers new product, but they were not on the show floor. One thing that was very interesting was the Chinese contingent at NAM. There was a lot of floor space, and I'd say maybe a tenth or even more. It was just dedicated to Chinese companies. And when you look at these companies and how expensive it is for them to be there, you have to think that this is all sponsored by the Chinese government, which, of course, doesn't happen for anybody else. What were they showing? Well, the same audio gear that everybody else was showing, only cheaper. So if you wanted microphones that looked like a U47 or an SM57 or just about anything you can think of, well, they had plenty of them. Same with guitars and amplifiers and headphones and monitor speakers and everything else. In previous years, these would be down in Hall E, and now they're upstairs where Pro Audio used to be in Hall D. Pro Audio has now moved to what they call the North Hall, and that's two floors. Sound reinforcement is mostly on the top floor, 
and recording is mostly on the bottom floor. That was by far the largest and biggest of the two. It's actually a pretty good deal to have all the audio manufacturers under one roof, so to speak. It's very easy to find who you needed to find. That being said, if you're used to seeing a manufacturer at a certain place where they used to be, and they're not there now, it's a little disconcerting trying to find their new location. Now, like I said before, this used to be the place where everybody would see the brand new products, and that's one of the reasons why you went, because there are these great products that were new and nobody had any idea about until you actually saw them there. That's no longer the case. First of all, there hasn't been a big technological breakthrough in a long, long time, and we used to see them quite frequently. But we really don't see that. Now it's more or less upgrades that we have. So, in fact, there's lots of upgrades, updates, and special editions from Korg and API and Harrison, Motu with the brand new version of their 828, a new version of WaveLab, Zoom with their handheld recorders, new version of those, Pro Tools with the new version that's mostly MIDI improvements, and, of course, more guitars, amps, synthesizers and pedals than you've ever seen, although most of them are just a rehash of what's come before. I think a couple of the biggest surprises for me was there was not much AI, considering how big that seems to be, the hype that's around it, how many music AIs there are. In fact, that was sort of downplayed. Yes, you did see it. IK Multimedia had something. and There were a number of manufacturers. Most of the manufacturers that were using AI downplayed it. In many cases, they didn't even make a big deal out of it. The other thing that was interesting was that there wasn't much immersive audio or Dolby Atmos around as compared to other years where that was a really big deal. Yeah, you saw from the speaker manufacturers, and of course, speaker manufacturers want to sell speakers, so you saw a lot of that in their booths. And in many cases, for speaker manufacturers, they didn't bother with an immersive setup, which is quite extensive and takes time and effort to put together. Sony, of course, was displaying their Sony 360 immersive system, and that was maybe a bigger deal than what Dolby was showing, even though there was a fair amount of Atmos on the floor. It wasn't like other years. You have to wonder about the penetration of Atmos. Has the number of studios that are going to be converted to Atmos, is that saturated? Entirely possible. Now, don't get me wrong, there were new products. There are, in fact, a lot of them that I saw. In terms of speakers, Barefoot Sound had their new Footprint 03. And this is maybe the first inexpensive Barefoot, even though it's a $2,000 product, as compared to some of the bigger Barefoots, that's a good price. So this is a smaller bookshelf-style speaker. It's a three-way speaker. Kali Audio makes some great stuff. They were showing their LPUNF desktop monitors, and of course, everybody wants to have really good sound in their desktop, and this is a good, inexpensive way to do it. If you've listened to me before, you know that I'm a fan of Amphion, and that's what I've been using for a long time. I've been using Amphion 118s for a long time. The thing about it is they're passive, so they're powered with an Amphion amplifier, 500 watts per channel. But now Amphion came out with their 125A, which is a three-way system and is somewhat larger. It's also powered, which is unusual. Expensive system at about $5,000 a piece. But nonetheless, if you're an Amphion fan like I am, it's something that you want to check out. Another very cool new product is Solo Dome, which is an immersive studio chair. Basically, all the speakers are around you 
And it's very deceiving because you don't realize how loud it is until you sit in it and you can feel the music all over. But when you get out, you can barely hear it. This is something that won't necessarily replace a good studio, but if you don't have the option of changing your acoustics or improving your acoustics, this is potentially a way to get around that. That's Solo Dome. There were a lot of audio interfaces and controllers. Audion showed their Aurea immersive interface and controller. And of course, this is one of the things that everybody has somewhat of a problem with when it comes to putting together an Atmos studio or an immersive studio is that you have to control all those speakers. And up until recently, there weren't that many controllers on the market that could easily do this. The Audient Aurea, though, it looks like it's well-designed and looks like this will fit into any of those situations. Heritage Audio also came up with the unique audio interface and monitor controller, and it's built around a Neve 1073-style preamp. So instead of having an interface with a relatively inexpensive preamp on a chip, now there's something that's going to sound a whole lot better, and let's face it, in our home studios, we want it to sound as good as possible. Radial Technologies, a company I really, really like out of Canada. They make the best direct boxes, I think. They came out with their Nuance controller. Now, this is simply a controller. It's not an interface. If you already have an interface and you want to just have something that's better at controlling your monitors, headphones, things like that, this is worth checking out. So this is called the Nuance controller. If there was a hit of the show, it was the Yamaha Seek track, spelled S-E-Q-T-R-A-K. And what this is, is sort of a keyboard. It doesn't really have keys on it, but it looks like a keyboard. And it has a built-in drum machine, synthesizer, a DX-style synthesizer, a sampler, and effects. So you can easily throw this in a backpack and easily produce songs just from this one instrument. And it's only $3.99. This was a big hit. Worm Audio showed their W-A-M-P-X preamp. And what this is based on is the old Ampex preamps from the 350 model recorders going way, way back. They had a very distinctive sound. A lot of people really loved them, and Worm Audio has duplicated that here. Now, just to illustrate how NAM works these days, this wasn't a surprise as they announced this several months ago, but it was the first time people got a chance to really get their hands on and have a listen to it. Audio-Technica came out with their BP3600 immersive microphone. This is an eight-element microphone that will capture immersive audio. It's fairly expensive at around $5,000, but it sounded really good from what I could see, and it's very high quality. Another big hit of the show was Wolf Audio, and this comes from Paul Wolf. Paul Wolf, if you don't know, was formerly an owner of API, a designer at API, Tonalux. He's actually done a lot of the analog hardware for many manufacturers on a contract basis. Paul has probably forgotten more about how to get great analog audio than most people know. But now he has a new company. It's Wolf Audio. One of the things he was showing was his Wolf console, which again is a 7.1.4 immersive console right from the get-go. What makes it interesting is the fact that it has two rows of 500 racks built in. So it's a fairly easy way to incorporate all of your 500 series modules if you have them. Or you can just rely on Paul's great sounding hardware as is. Nonetheless, it was really exciting. And this is a big console. I don't know how big it was. I'd say it's 72 inputs that we saw. It's nice to see a big console again. Speaking of consoles, 
Harrison Audio reintroduced their 32C, which is very famous from the 80s. Of course, that's the sound of Michael Jackson's records that Bruce Houdin loved. And now that console is back. Besides that, there are a lot of companies with microphones and headphones and monitor speakers that were basically just another flavor of what's come before. It's not shocking because we see this every trade show, but you have to wonder, how many versions of a C12 does the world really need? How many U47 style microphones do we really need? Same with speakers. There's so many great speakers out there. Does the world need another one? Is there a new technology that's going to supplant the things that we have already? So far, that's not the case. We keep on hearing about research or there's new technology that is going to change everything. But so far, the way we hear is via technology that's more than 100 years old. Improved a lot, that's for sure. But nonetheless, it's really old tech. Now, of course, this is exactly the same with guitars and pedals and amplifiers, where we keep on seeing the same thing over and over in a different package with a different manufacturer with a very slight new twist on it. Once again, you have to wonder how many times can we keep on seeing and buying the same thing over and over? Now, one of the things you can always count on is there's always a new crop of musicians that are coming up that either can't afford the old stuff or don't know about it or care about it and aren't looking for something brand new and this is gear just for them. Nonetheless, if you're older, if you've been around, you've seen this stuff before, you scratch your head and you go, well, wait a second, seen that before, been there, done that. Maybe we need a new approach to all this. One of the cooler things is the new SSL360 link that allows you to control plugins directly from any of their controllers. Now this comes pre-mapped already for plugins from Waves and from Universal Audio, and it makes mapping any of your VST plugins relatively easy. So this is something that a lot of people want. They want that hardware feel. They want that tactile feel that they get from a piece of hardware. And SSL now makes it very easy for that to happen with 360 Link. I don't usually talk too much about headphones because really there's so many of them that are really good. But I think the new Sony MB1s are different. First of all, they're made for immersive audio. They're made specifically for Sony's 360 immersive audio system. But that aside, if you want to use them for stereo, they're still very unique in that they reproduce from 5 hertz all the way up to 80K. They're fairly light and they're open-backed. One of the problems with open-back headphones is even though they're flat and they sound relatively good, you lose a lot of the low frequency energy and you don't in these. So if you're looking for headphones, if you're looking for something that's relatively flat, if you're looking for something that will help you with immersive audio, check out the Sony MB1s. One of the places where AI did really feature prominently is Stephen Slate's new Groove AI. Now, what this will let you do is either import a guitar riff or a bass line or even tap in a rudimentary drum track and then ai is going to handle the rest and it's going to come up with a drum track that fits the particular song fits a particular groove whatever and it uses steven's drum library which is excellent sounding so this is a very cool product and one of the few ai products that i actually saw at the show If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, 
I'm pleased to announce that my new Musician's AI Handbook is now available. It's packed with information about how AI can help you with new song, lyric, mixing, and mastering ideas, as well as music marketing to help you get your music out to the audience that you deserve. To get your copy, go to bobbyosinski.com forward slash AI Handbook. That's bobbyosinski.com forward slash AI Handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. I guess the big question here is, do we really need a NAM show? Do we need an AES show? Tech industry trade shows are shrinking everywhere and many are even canceled. E3, for instance, which is the biggest gaming conference, that's canceled, that's gone forever. Also, Meta and Red Hat. It seems that if the conference is about software, well, you don't really need the conference anymore. If it's about hardware, it's a little bit different. For instance, car shows are still very popular because no matter how many pictures you see of a car, until you actually sit in it, until you actually see it, it's not real to you. It's kind of the same with all hardware. Guitars, for instance. I would never buy a guitar online because anybody that has ever purchased a guitar knows that you can go through the same model and pick up 10 different guitars and one will be magic and others won't. So it's really important that you get your hands on it and you can feel these things. Now, one of the things that makes conferences like NAM a little less necessary is the fact that big product announcements don't coincide with either NAM show anymore. So a manufacturer, as soon as they get their product ready to release, they tell the world about it. They don't wait until NAM. They don't wait until AES. And you can't blame them. You wanna get it out now, you wanna get money flowing, there's so much competition that you just can't wait anymore. One of the reasons why we like to go to trade shows is the fact that you get a chance to see people. And for a manufacturer, it used to be that this is the way we can see our dealers. This is the way we can talk to them. This is the way we can get feedback. But now we can get that via Zoom and it happens all the time. If we want to keep in touch with people, we're doing it via social media. So it's not as important that we go to a trade show, although it's fun. It's fun to see people that you haven't seen and hung out and party with them, which you can't really do on Zoom very well. Nonetheless, if you really need information for your business, Zoom is a really good way to go. And therefore, that means why go to a trade show? It's the same thing with gear. You want to find out something new about a new piece of gear. It's easy to find online because manufacturer will immediately have it on its website and will also make the announcements on social media everywhere. So you'll see videos on how it's being used. You'll be able to hear examples. So again, that means that for many products, you don't have to see it up close and personal. But still, Reading about something and playing and hearing it are two different things. So for instance, a large format console, there's nothing like seeing it in person. You can see pictures all day long, you can read about it online, but until you see it sitting there, it's not the same thing. Now, when it comes to manufacturers reaching out to the dealers, for many manufacturers, they only have two they care about. That's Guitar Center and Sweetwater and maybe Sam Ash. But there are fewer and fewer smaller mom and pop dealers out there. And again, it's easy for a manufacturer to reach out to them. In many cases, they used to have reps anyway. The regional rep would actually make a sales call on them. And, and even that isn't quite as needed like it used to be. So are trade shows like NAM actually needed? Well, as far as NAM is concerned, 
as long as the weather in the Midwest and the East Coast remains cold in January and music store owners can take their families to Southern California while deducting it as a business expense, NAM has a future. It's never going to be what it once was, but it doesn't need to be to have a purpose. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. You can also learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There, you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, where you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyoinnercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time.